Blog Talk Radio. Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Foyer's channel, giving you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Red Bull News Network. As always, this show is about the game in this country for American soccer. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer to the best of my abilities. And earlier, about half an hour ago, CONCACAF has already officially made their draw for the 2023 CONCACAF Champions League. And uh, it, to me, it sounds like we've got some pretty good matchups here. Of course, we all know uh, the MLS representatives in Pot A, along with the Mexican representatives of Liga uh, MX, and then, of course, the other, other teams coming from Central America and from uh, the Caribbean, and this should be a fun one. And here it is right now. In Group 1, Austin FC will take on Violet of Haiti. Club Leon of Mexico will take on FC Taro in uh, Group 2 of Panama. Orlando City will be taking on Tigres of Mexico in Group 3. Pachuca of Mexico will take on Motagua of Honduras in Group 4. Whitecaps, the Vancouver Whitecaps from Canada, will take on Real España from Honduras in Group 5. LAFC, they will face Aluenza from Costa Rica in Group 6. Atlas from Mexico will take on Olympia of Honduras in Group 7. And the Philadelphia Union will take on Alianza of El Salvador in Group 8. And of course, these games will get underway next year in March and that will be a, a fun time for everybody. And don't forget, I will once again be hosting CONCACAF Champions League review shows in each and every round, mostly with American and the Canadian sides. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully I can get that Mexico representation. If not, we just got to move forward with what is in front of us, and we'll see what happens uh, further down in the tournament. And then, of course, 2024 will start the expanded version of the CONCACAF Champions League. And we'll get into, of course, uh, uh, the expanded Caribbean Football Union Club Tournament, as well as the brand new Central American Club Tournament that will produce those results of those sides to enter the opening round and who will also go to the round of 16 automatically. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. It should be exciting. And I cannot wait to see the extended version of the CONCACAF Champions League. So get ready for that one. But the World Cup is coming, folks. The World Cup is coming very, very soon. 13 days before we get to the big tournament in Qatar. 
and already it's feeling like it's a disaster. How can it be a disaster if we have not even kicked off at all yet? How can it be a disaster that we haven't seen a single ball kicked off in Qatar? Well, they are seeing tons and tons of injuries, plenty of injuries all over Europe, as well as hit home here in Major League Soccer. And for those of you that are rooting for the Canadian men's national team, we all know about uh, Alfonso Davies with a slight injury uh, as of right now, and it sounds like he will still be able to go to the World Cup. Maxime Crepeau will not. Now, not sure if he was ever going to start for Canada. That would be Milan Borian, of course, who will probably be uh, starting uh, for probably all three matches for Canada in the group stage, depending on how far they will go or will they be able to get out of the group stage. But if all of you saw what happened in the MLS Cup final in extra time, the injury just does not look good. It does not look good at all. And uh, it definitely, I think he will miss the trip to Qatar. And hopefully from Maxime Crepeau, uh, we wish him speedy recovery and that he can be ready when obviously down the road for Canada for that 2026 automatic berth because they are one of the co-hosts or one of the tri-hosts of the uh, up-and-coming World Cup in four years' time here in North America. But we are seeing injuries over and over and over all over the place. England will be missing some players. I don't know how many players the Welsh will be missing, but it's going to be tough. We're seeing other players from other countries that you would have said are penciled in or would have been penciled in to be a part of uh, World Cup rosters for their respective nations and their respective countries. But what we are seeing right now is an ultimate failure of a World Cup that has not kicked off yet. And to have it in the winter time is just an absolute disgrace. You know, when the announcement of Qatar winning the 2022 World Cup, just like when Russia won the 2018 World Cup bid, you know, many thought the English were going to get it. And, I mean, I thought the English were going to get it, but it didn't happen. And Russia got it. And I said to myself, you know what? Okay, that's not so bad. Technically, it's still a European World Cup. Russia's going to be involved. Everything's okay. You know, give them an opportunity. They've hosted the Olympics. I mean, it was fine. This is, of course, before what's been going on with Ukraine and everything. And I, I mean, seriously, I thought Russia was a solid pick. But when you got to Qatar, I mean... It was absolutely a huge uproar of anger, frustration, and disbelief, including myself. How is it that a World Cup in Qatar in the summertime, with the amount of heat being blazed on these stadiums, 
or stadiums that have not even been built yet. How is it possible that this country should be hosting a World Cup? Something was fishy. And as everyone knew, the raids in Zurich, Switzerland, at that swanky hotel, came to fruition. Sepp Blatter was found out. He quit. He left. Couldn't survive another term as FIFA president after he was elected to that position once again. Gianni Infantino took over. And unfortunately for Gianni Infantino, he decided not to take away that World Cup from Qatar. He kept it. Kept it there. And unfortunately, this whole thing has been a farce ever since. And so in recent times on Twitter, we're talking about the World Cup being Qatar. It's terrible. What happened? Why is it still there? Why is Qatar still hosting the World Cup? Regardless of the stadiums they built, we all know about the, uh, the human rights problems that were going on over there. Taking all these people, these uh, lower working class people, and forcing them to construct stadiums though, and dying of heat fixation. And, you know, just passing their bodies back to their native nations without a care in the world. This is the reason why we are in an uproar. No matter how much it's going to be awesome to have this World Cup being played, it's already been a failure of the big proportions. Now, once again, I want to state my intentions here. I am not opposed for an Arab nation to host a World Cup. I'm not opposed to that. I'm opposed at the way it was done. If an Arab nation wants to host a World Cup in the summertime, they must build brand new stadiums with retractable roofs during the summer. The technology and the construction ability that we have here in the United States and that we also have in Canada has been tremendous. Lucas Oil Stadium is one. Minimade Park in Houston is another. Rogers Center, formerly known as the Sky Dome in Toronto. We have the technology here in the United States to build retractable roofs with these new stadiums. If they would have just done that, I don't think war would have been tremendous. And then you can say, we want, to, we want to host a World Cup in the Middle East. I don't think that's such a hard thing to say. But if you did watch, and I haven't watched it yet, but I will watch it this week. If you watch E60 on ESPN on Sunday night with Jeremy Schapp talking about the corruption of this World Cup, you know what? You're going to find out a lot of things that we already knew about or things that we had no idea about. 
This is the situation that will be staining world football, world soccer, for a very, very long time. It is the fault of Sepp Blatter for allowing this to happen. And another issue, and once again, from this past Sunday, the whole thing was done by Jeremy Schapp. And Jeremy Schapp has done a wonderful thing. Now, granted, everyone's going to say to me, you know, it's all about the money. Yes, it was all about the money. It's always going to be about the money when you have a corrupt football association and a corrupt governance of the game in the world. But here's the other thing that I'm, I'm really surprised that no one wants to listen to. This was also about power. If you saw the documentary originally from Jeremy Schapp of ESPN several years ago, during the FIFA corruption scandal, Sepp Blatter was able to keep his presidency because he got rid of Bin Hammam from running as president of FIFA. And he told Bin Hammam, if you don't go after uh, my presidential seat, I will give you the World Cup in Qatar. That is from the Jeremy Schapp interview or the documentary he had about the corruption many, many years ago. Many, many years ago. Not this one that's coming up now this past Sunday. Many, many years ago. He had... I believe uh, whatever is the prime minister or the president of, of uh, Qatar, a royal prince, I guess, was there in his office. And he made sure, he made sure, Sepp Blatter, not only giving a fraudulent World Cup to Qatar, but keeping his power in FIFA. So it's not just about the money. It's about a man who did not want to go away, who wanted to keep everything running, to keep the problems of the dollar, to continue on not only in his pockets, in FIFA's pockets, and the other corrupt officials of the game in the other confederations representing CONCACAF and South America everywhere else. That is the problem. That is the issue. That is why Sepp Blatter has been a very, very dangerous man and a pathetic piece of garbage. Well, ladies and gentlemen, time to review that wonderful MLS Cup final. Over in uh, Los Angeles, California. Unfortunately, we got to go to the side that lost that final, and we go to Greg Oldfield from Brotherly Game covering the Philadelphia Union. Greg, uh, thank you for joining me tonight. And, uh, you know, even though it was a great game and the Union did everything right, unfortunately, in the round of penalties, it just came back to bite them in the butt. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Daniel. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely a very difficult weekend, a, a difficult result. Uh, definitely, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, not the result we wanted. 
Oh, sorry. Just got off a plane. Um, definitely not the result we wanted. And, um, yeah, it's just uh, a, a difficult, difficult way to end a final. A great final. Yes, it was. It was a very, very good final. And, you know, um, I just want to get this out of the way for you because, I mean, I want to talk about a lot of good that happened for the union. But truthfully is this, is that even though there was a terrible injury to Maxime Crepeau, you had to take on the backup, a former Philadelphia Union goalkeeper. And let's be honest, he is a miracle worker during penalty kick shootouts during the Open Cup for the Union. And that was John McCarthy, who was the backup for Crepeau for LAFC. And when you knew he was coming into the game and when you saw after Bale made that big equalizer in second half extra time, were you worried that McCarthy was going to have a, 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 a shootout of his life? Um, I, I mean, honestly, I wasn't worried. I mean, we knew John McCarthy coming in here uh, was a good penalty stopper. Um, but at the same time, we had Andre Blake. And Andre Blake has the history of winning games, too. So um, I, I don't know if we really feared John McCarthy. I think um, certainly the storyline, the, the way it played out was just, um, and you can't write a script like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I don't know if um, anybody really believed that three penalty shooters were going to miss. I think um, definitely, you know, you knew Blake was going to save one or two, and that was going to maybe balance things out a little bit. But just the way the penalties were taken, the way McCarthy made such strong saves, um, just an, an incredible result. Just a, I don't know if anybody really expected that outcome. No, I agree with you there. I mean, I wasn't expecting that outcome either, and I really thought that uh, the Union really, really had some bad luck in their uh, in their penalty kick shootout uh, attempts over there, especially Gazdag. I wasn't expecting him to slip on the turf the way he did when he skied his penalty uh, over the bar. But like I said, they did some good things in this matchup. We cannot even ignore uh, what a year Gazdag has been for the Union. Um, you know, many are saying, well, that's a hell of a pass. And I don't think that was really a pass. I think the initial chance was a shot, just it was scuffed. But Gazdag, I give him credit. To me, it looked like he camped out in that back line, kind of hiding himself from the defenders of LAFC, and he made a quick turn, and he buried that ball to make it 1-1 at that time um, in this 59th minute. Yeah, I, th- I think the, um, that goal sort of reminds me almost of like a hockey play. Um, Gazdag just has the knack for being in the right spots at the right time. He's done it all year. Uh, you know, when we talk about the true 10s in the league, he's not – He's not like your typical playmaking pen. He's the guy that gets in on the end of crosses. He's the guy that finds spaces. He's the guy that does exactly what he did in that game and um, just has the awareness to be in the right place, follow up, um, you know, a shot that was probably not even headed on target. And just the touch that he makes to control that and then bury it with the second touch is, is, is unreal. I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that we've seen all year long from him. It really is. And I also have to say that, you know, it's great to see what you're watching because even though they were down 1-0 in the first half, they never gave up. They never 
gave any inch of, of grass whatsoever. They kept fighting. They kept going. And just give Jim Curtin a lot of credit for getting his guys to stay focused, even though they were down uh, a little bit here and there in the match. But they found ways to force uh, extra time, especially Jack Elliott. You know, he's one of those mainstay, mainstay union defenders since his draft day. Um, he's been phenomenal for the union uh, since he came into the uh, club. Yeah, Jack Elliott um, uh, is just an unbelievable performance. The finals performance, um, you know, could have easily been the MVP of that game had it not gone to penalties and, and you know, what happened to happen. Um, just a, a guy who's been solid all year long, solid for two years, really, when you think about it, because the union, in a way, sort of signed a guy that was supposed to play over him and Stuart Finley, and Stuart Finley couldn't get on the field because Jack Elliott was so good. And, you know, again, people kind of lump him and Glesnick together a lot all year long because they're just a solid back pairing. Um, but, but you could have made a case for Jack Elliott to be in that mix of defender of the year as well. So I think that was a big game for him on a big stage, just proved his value to the club. And, you know, just just an unbelievable performance by him to, you know, when you think about it, very likely we all thought scored the winner of the MLS Cup final in extra time. Um, it would have been hey, yeah, just mm-hmm. a, a great story. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And, you know, not to nitpick or anything, but I was expecting the Norwegian Hammer to lay one out, you know, from distance. He's done it before, you know, in the regular season at LAFC. He's done it before in the playoffs against the Red Bulls last year. Um, I was expecting Glesnes to, like, you know, get an opportunity to rip one from distance and beat Crepeau, uh from – you know, at at goal, I was really expecting Glesnus to really let one go. Yeah, it's one of these things, you know, as we go through a game like this and we pick out certain moments of the game, I mean, obviously, you know, soccer's a game of mistakes, so you're going to find certain flaws, certain certain moments where you thought the game could have been altered differently. But one of the things I think, you, you know, when you bring up Glesnus, it's, it's one of these things where, I always feel like Lesnar should be over the ball all the time when there's a free kick. And they had a free kick, I believe it was second half, and Elliott took it um, and hit it into the wall. And it was, I think it was Elliott and, and maybe um, McGlynn over the ball or Elliott or Wagner over the ball. I kind of forget who the other person was. But it's one of those moments where you know what Jacob Lesnar can do. He can strike a ball as pure as anybody uh, that I've seen. And, you know, when you get situations like that in a, in a final where you can just let him rip. You know that something's going to happen when he lets it rip. And I was kind of surprised they, they haven't used that very often, considering his, his track record with scoring highlight goals. Exactly. And I really thought that was one thing that Jim Curtin should have at least said during, you know, whether it be regulation or even the next time, that he should have was he should have been allowed to get one from distance. So, uh, I, you know, that was one thing I think uh, was a negative uh, on the union. And, well, they could have won it. And the big month uh, after uh, McCarthy was uh, able to uh sub into the game, and we all know what happened between uh, Corey Burke and uh, Maxime Crepo on that that big, big challenge that, of course, unfortunately knocked Crepo out, but at the same time, yellow card got switched over to a red due to, due to VAR. Um, 
And Elliot just right there, you know, makes that big, big goal, taps it in, and we're all thinking the Union have this. The Union are going to come back uh, to the East Coast and celebrate an MLS Cup championship. Yeah, I mean, the game itself was probably as good as a final as you could possibly imagine. I mean, even from the losing side, I, I personally believe it was probably one of the greatest games I've seen in American soil outside of the World Cup games, maybe World Cup wildfires. The atmosphere was incredible. The L.A. fans were terrific. Our fans were terrific. Um, the moments of the game, the big stage when it mattered, were terrific. Um, there, there was tragedies. There was storylines. There was, you know, individual heroics. Uh, it, it definitely, at one point, with about, you know, three minutes to go, you're you're sitting there and you're saying, wow, like we're really about to win the MLS Cup. Um, and, and that sort of sinks in and, it's um, just an incredible feeling to have that, um, and then have that taken away. It's uh, I, I don't I don't really know if I've experienced that as a a player or a sports fan really in my life. And it's um, it's something that takes definitely takes time to process. I mean, we're two days away uh, since it happened, and I'm I'm still thinking about the fact that wow, like we really I could have been getting off a plane today and preparing for some kind of parade tomorrow. Oh, very, very true, and uh, that's really tough to see that. And you know, if you are a union supporter, and of course, uh, great support over at Bank of California Stadium, and uh, great support at Subaru Park. I understand they had a watch party on the pitch for uh, those union fans that couldn't travel to Los Angeles, but still, though, um, that that's a great thing to see, and it just goes to show you once again the union are a dangerous side, and even though they haven't gotten. Uh, that big championship just yet, uh, they're still strong enough and big enough to go forward. Now, obviously, uh, you're going to lose another Aronson as Paxton will be packing his bags to Germany, to Eintracht Frankfurt. That must have been a huge, huge uh, transfer, or at least a signing of him uh, to leave the Union and head on over to Germany. Yeah, I think it's um, just, again, a testament to the academy system, the players that they're developing. Um, obviously, you know, with his older, bro- his older brother's experiences, you knew at some point Paxton was going to leave. And, you know, what's, what's, what's going to up going to be best for him? You know, it's it kind of difficult for him to find time this year with, with just the performance of Gazdag. And, you know, at some point it was probably just bound to happen. Uh, it's probably better for him to get out there and explore uh, the European game. Uh, he's got a, you know, he has a high ceiling. He's, I believe he's going to do well. I mean, he's still growing. He's still learning. He's still getting better. He's, you know, physically growing. Um, but it's difficult, you know, because you're, you, you have this really talented player that sometimes with the system that they're playing, with the players who are playing ahead of them, um, it's, it's difficult to get him in the game. But I, I have no doubt, you know, He's gonna he's gonna do well in the European game. He's gonna you know flourish. He's, he's, in a few years, you know we might be we might be reading about him playing in, in German Cup finals or Champions League games as well. The same way we talk about you know the big games that his brother's playing in. So what are you seeing for the Union for next year? Um, how many players do you think they're gonna keep? We already know about Aronson. Uh, for agency coming up, uh, who are they gonna lose? Obviously St. Louis City. Coming in next year, who do you think they'll uh, unprotect? 
for that uh, expansion draft? It's difficult to say. Um, Kai Wagner's been rumored to be leaving, um, you know, for a couple, I, I guess, a couple windows now. So the, the the thought is, you know, he could easily go. Olivier Mbizo is about to play in the World Cup, and, um, you know, that's going to put him on a, a bigger stage. So you never know if what what his future holds, too. I mean, Gazdag gets rumored just because he's, you know, had a great season. He's, the, you know, a top player, and, you know, top players in MLS sometimes move on. But he's also come from there. So I don't know if I necessarily see him going. Um, I, I think with the union, the big thing with them is going to have to be can they add another piece or two because you saw this year, you know, they, they really, I think, what the difference in that final was uh, LASD brings in Christian Bale off the bench and changes the game. And the union didn't really have that that piece that they could bring off the bench to change a game. And I think that was probably the one thing that they were missing. The difficult part is, you know, next year's season with the the, the Champions League now with the, with the League Cup, you're going to see a ton of games again. Uh, early on in the season, you're going to see a short offseason again. I mean, you know, just looking at Olivier Baizo, when he comes back, he's going to have a, a second year in a row without a, without an offseason, basically, because he's going to go right from the World Cup, almost the preseason again. And um, I think that, that long journey definitely takes a toll on the team. We saw after the Union played in the Champions League in 2021, how those early games impacted their season. It kind of took them a time to get going. And I feel like we see that a lot now with the MLS teams when they play in those Champions League games. So I think it's going to be a long season. They're going to play more games. They're going to need, they're going to need some, some additional help. Um, you can't play the way that they play for that number of games and still bring that intense energy that they need to be successful. So I kind of feel like they're going to need to go out and get a couple pieces to complement the attack, a couple midfield players. Um, but we'll see. We'll see in the coming days what happens with, with some of the uh, transfers. All right, Greg. Hey, listen, I appreciate you coming on for me, uh, representing the union through Brotherly Game. And uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, I'm glad you're back home safe from your trip from uh, Los Angeles. And uh, hope to talk to you again next year. You take care of yourself, all right? Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. That's Greg Oldfeld from Brotherly Game of SB Nation covering the Philadelphia Union as they are the ones that fell, not only uh, in the you know great match, but unfortunately, you have to have a winner, you have to have a loser. And we have a winner. And her name is Araceli Villanueva from Heart of LAFC, as LAFC wins their very first MLS Cup championship. Araceli, this must have been the biggest party that the city of Los Angeles has had for a while. Oh, my goodness. I am still running high on emotion from Saturday. I just basically feeling all of the emotions right now, especially with everything that LESC has faced this season. And to watch him not only earn the Supporters' Shield, win the Western Conference Final, and now the MLS Cup itself, it's definitely a celebration that will be lasting throughout the entire offseason. And, you know, I have to tell you, I really, really have to tell you, is that even though he has not played a lot of minutes for LAFC, 
But this is why you bring him over, and this is why you get him. Because Gareth Bale just proved, doesn't matter how many minutes he missed, or how many games he's missed, when you need him the most, there he is to score the late equalizer to force a penalty kick shootout. Team, or secured his spot, I should say, with his performance, not only from that match, but as you mentioned, we haven't seen much of him this season. But in true Gareth Bale form, he really came out when it truly mattered. And even that, his uh, late goal, it was considered the latest in MLS history, breaking Jack Elliott's record, who had just set it literally four minutes prior to Bale's um, goal to help push the game into penalties. But again, it, it just goes to prove that even in a tight pickle, he does come out in the end. No, he really does. And, you know, that's the one reason why you get over a quality player like Gareth Bale. And I really believe he's going to have a lot better year next year uh, after, of course, he's already now uh, used to the league and everything that goes on here in MLS. Big goal in the 28th minute by Acosta. Uh, he delivers the knockout punch in the first half with a little help from the Philadelphia wall because as you saw the one of the members of the wall headed that ball trying to head it away but he deflected it going inside that far post where Andre Blake unfortunately walked away from yes that goal in itself was just kind of one of those you you really can't believe that it happened type moments but as you laid out perfectly Acosta sets up the free kick, sends in the shot. Philadelphia's player, it appears he did try to head it out. You know, he tried to deflect it out with a header, but unfortunately, well, for Philadelphia at least, it deflected into the goal, and it just set the, the tone for the match from there on. It really, really did, of course, the 1-1 one, one, uh, goal by Gaz Dog in the 59th minute. But then a big corner came, and out of nowhere, Murillo Mar- um, ball in in the 83rd minute. And, oh, my God, everything went crazy in the big supporters' end. And, unfortunately, it didn't last that long because Jack Elliott got the uh, second equalizer to make it 2-2. What was that like, the range of emotions? Oh, there was definitely a high range of emotion. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we literally felt you could you could feel every emotion that night. This match in itself had everything you would expect in a final. There was uh, the dramatics, the injuries, the cards. But given with the goals, it was kind of a little back and forth at first. It felt like. LAFC may take it in regular time after Mario scored that goal, but then here comes Jack Elliott forcing it into extra time. So it, it was just, oh, my goodness. I, I, it's hard to explain, to be honest. <laughs> it really, really was. It, it really is. And, um, of course, we feel for Maxime Cropo. Uh You know, he initiated the challenge against uh, Chris Burke, and um, I don't know if you've had a full report from the club because it looks like, well, we couldn't see it on TV. They wouldn't show the replay. They're saying it was a, 
It was very gruesome, probably a broken leg. What was the official report from that? Was it a broken leg on Cropo in that challenge? The official uh, report, which LASC actually just released yesterday, was that Crepo did undergo successful surgery to repair a fracture in his right leg. Oh, boy. Yeah, that must have been really, really bad. I feel bad for him, and obviously he's not going to the World Cup in uh, Qatar for Canada. But as they say in baseball, whenever you break the bat and you get a bloop single, you die a hero. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we hate to see any player get injured. And for Crepo to have that type of injury, it was very heartbreaking because really as was. soon as he went down after that challenge, almost immediately he called for assistance. I believe Elie was there to help assist him before the medical staff came over. And you could just hear Elie shouting, been like, it's a broken leg. And at that moment, oh, wow. you can't help but just to feel your heart drop. But based oh, off no. the report, you know, saying that it's a fracture, it's still bad. There's no doubt about it. But hopefully, you know, we, we will see him in a few months' time. Yep, and uh, hopefully he'll be, re- he'll be back and ready to go for the 2023 season. You know, we get to the penalty kick shootout. And you have the backup goalkeeper in John McCarthy. And everyone knows, even I know, he was the backup goalkeeper for Andre Blake for the Union. He's been a very good penalty kick stopper for the Union. I should know the Red Bulls faced him in the Open Cup in the penalty kick shootout. He's made big saves against them. How bittersweet was it to see this Philadelphia-born player not just as a union member, but from Philadelphia himself, to be in the goal and stopping the next two penalties after Gazdag made that big miss over the bar. Oh, I have no doubt that coming from the Philadelphia perspective, as soon as Jim Curtin saw that he was going in for Kapu, he was probably wondering, oh boy, here we go. You know, of all people, but given the fact that McCarthy hasn't played the, excuse me, the last time that he played for LAFC was back in May. So I know that there was a little ton of skepticism because similar to Bale, we hadn't seen him perform in a very long time. So it was, I don't want to say there was doubt, but there was kind of some question if he can pull it off. But sure enough, as soon as Gostag missed that opening penalty, it just went downhill from there for uh, Philly. But thankfully, for John, he came up very big for LAFC. He saved the following penalties. And then, of course, Ilya scores that win- shot that wins it all. And I'm sure, as most people know, I'm originally from Kansas City. So to see Ilya go from Sporting KC to LAFC and watch him score that winning shot, it, it just set off a sense of pride, not only for the club, but from my hometown as well. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. That was great. Uh, and, of course, it ended 3-0 in four rounds in the penalty shootout after a 3-3 draw uh, through regulation. Actually, 2-2 through regulation, 3-3 in extra time, and 3-0 on the penalty kick shootout after four rounds. You know, i got to say this. 
that was a hell of a crowd at Bank of California Stadium. Everyone came in there, filled the place up from the first row all the way to the last. I mean, obviously, we always talk about how good the Galaxy has been through all these years since the beginning of MLS back in 1996. What was that like for you to see that Bank of California Stadium crowd? I mean, just enjoying a moment of saying this is what real not saying the galaxy is not real soccer, but this is what soccer mm-hmm. is supposed to be about in our nation. Well, to much of the galaxy's credit, they are one of the original founding clubs back in 96, so we can't ignore that fact. But given that LESC has only been in existence for five years, and given all of the, for lack of a better term, controversies that the club had to face within a week's notice, to see a packed house was absolutely brilliant. And as I mentioned earlier, this final had everything that you could ask for. So you had a packed house. You had a, a final that will be talked for for years if, unless something more miraculous happens next season, which I doubt, but that's my own personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, you know, just to see uh, that packed house, it, it was just brilliant. And, the atmosphere, it, again, there's just no words to describe it. It's just incredible. No, it really wasn't. I will agree with you. This final was definitely a lot better than last year's final right now. And I'm not just saying this because, you know, I think Portland or New York City FC didn't really put on a good game, but this had everything. This had com- back and forth, tons of action, nonstop action. We had plenty of goals, plenty of drama. And then, of course, the biggest drama of all, you have a former goalkeeper of Philadelphia facing Philadelphia in the penalty kick shootout after that horrific injury, um, that horrific injury uh, to Crepeau. And it was just unbelievable to see what happened there on Saturday afternoon uh, for you guys. Um, Obviously, it's tough to play a final where there's no king, but I'm glad everyone was able to make it and take, did you take public transportation or did you uh, park nearby? Uh, Luckily I was able to take transportation um, provided by the league, but for others who didn't have that privilege, I've heard a range of carpooling, public transportation. Um, I believe a few actually did ride share. So either way, I'm just glad to hear that fans were able to make it. The 3252, which is the main supporters group, they were able to pull a tailgate together and do a march to the stadium. So thankfully, people were able to meet in a location that was kind of outside the stadium. So it was a little easier to get to, for a lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, just real quick, who at the moment uh, do you feel the uh, excuse me the uh, LAFC is going to lose with free agency coming? Uh, who do you think will be uh, unprotected during the expansion draft for St. Louis City? Uh, what have you heard so far? I have not heard of anything yet, and it's always this is the part of the season that I do hate, I have to admit. You, you never want to see any of your players go. And given the depth that this roster has, it's hard to imagine someone like 
see Fuentes leaving or Maria leaving. I know that early in the season there was talks of possibly uh, Cifuentes or Segura uh, leaving for other clubs in South America. So I, I really don't know. It's all up to John Thornton at this point. It really is, but obviously they had a party today, a uh, big celebration in downtown Los Angeles, winning another, well, first for LAFC, but another MLS Cup championship for the city of Los Angeles. But Araceli, I always appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for being on the show again. Good luck next year, and I'll talk to you next year, okay? Thank you for having me on the last couple of weeks. It's been a lot of fun, and I definitely look forward to speaking more of LAFC in the future. You better believe you will. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Araceli Villanueva from Heart of LAFC, as they are the 2022 MLS Cup champions, and they are a double champion with the Supporter Shield and the MLS Cup championship. So that, my friends, is just unbelievable to see and unbelievable uh, to watch. But once again, This 2022 MLS season has come to an end. Now we move on to the FIFA World Cup, and then we'll worry about other things in 2023, like the CONCACAF Champions League, the CONCACAF Under-17 Championship, the Under-20 FIFA Championship, the CONCACAF Champion, excuse me, the CONCACAF uh, Nations League group stage finishing up in March. (laughs) Excuse me. And then we get to the uh, the finals in June, and then, of course, CONCACAF Gold Cup qualifiers and the tournament itself in 2023. This has been a hell of a league season. And uh, don't forget, this coming Sunday, uh, the USL Championship final, it's going to be between San Antonio FC and Louisville City. And that will be seen on ESPN2, I believe. And that will have Mike Watts, Devin Kerr on the call. And it should be a lot of fun with that one. And I cannot wait to see what's going to happen there. Uh, But finally, thank you to all of you for uh, following me through this MLS season. Um, It's been of a rocky season for me, but I'm glad to see that everything's going, uh, everything is uh, getting better for myself personally. And we'll be back out at Red Bull Arena, hopefully, starting next season. And then, of course, the Apple TV broadcast deal will begin next year. And it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with that. But hopefully, everything will go smoothly and no bumps in the road. But we still have a World Cup to get to. And we will be ready for that one when we get there. So I want to thank my Guests for tonight, Greg Oldfield from Brotherly Game and Araceli Villanueva from Heart of LAFC. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Be be ready for another show next week and get ready for the FIFA World Cup as we will do USA World Cup game shows after they are done facing the Welsh, the English, and the Iranians and hopefully they will keep on going into December. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.